Bibles, please open them up to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 7. If you don't have your Bible, it should be behind me, hopefully. Yep. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. May God bless the reading of his word. So, um, we're continuing on in 1 John, and I think it's been a great blessing to us because it reminds us of a few things. It reminds us how important it is to not only to have faith, but to live out that faith. Um, and it's with that that John finally gets to this point, this very important point about love. And he's going to continue on if you're, just so everyone's aware, if you're tired of love, don't come back for another few weeks because he's going to dwell on it nonstop for about the next chapter and a half. And I really hope that, you know, you don't take that seriously and don't come back. Please come back. Um, But let's continue on. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John continues his letter by issuing a command. As we have seen previously, John will often give an imperative statement after using the word beloved. Also seen previously, beloved here can represent either his affection for those whom he is writing to, um, or their relationship now that they're in Christ, or a combination of both of these. Regardless, the imperative he gives is that they should love one another. It should be of note that though he is issuing this imperative to the congregation, he includes himself in the command by saying, let us. He recognizes his own need to follow this teaching. The command to love is not only found here in 1 John, it is also found in the writings of Paul and stems directly from Jesus' own teachings in John chapters 13, 14, 15. While John has already brought about the love command within the letter in chapter 2 and chapter 3 actually, it is here we finally establish the reason why the command is necessary. Better said, we could ask this question, what is the foundation? What is the origin for this love? And the answer is God himself. This attribute of God is foundational for our own ability to love. It originates from God. While there are many things which come from God, this attribute is a primary attribute of God, a primary characteristic of who God is. So the origin for this commandment to love is from God. And from this, we have an effect of love, which is that those who love have been born of God and that they know God. In this way, love is not only um, an attribute of the believer, but loving is further evidence that one is of God. This is opposite of being born in the world or belonging to the world found in the previous few verses. It is when one loves as God has commanded us to love that we have this confirmation of our faith. Yet it is not only the reality that they have been born of God, but also further the realization that one knows God. Again, this reminds us of the reality that there are false teachings and true teachings, good doctrines and bad. Part of our ability to know that which is from God is found in love itself. Now we come to verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
If those who love as God loves are from God and know God, then the opposite must be true as well, and that is that those who do not love must not know God. The logical reality is that those who do not practice love are not genuine Christians, despite whatever claims may be made. This is reminiscent of Paul in 1 Corinthians, in particular chapters 12 through 14, when Paul reminds us that though these great gifts exist within the church, Love is the greatest, and without which the rest mean absolutely nothing. So it is here. A lack of love is not merely a failure of ethics or a failure of doctrine. It is a failure to grasp the very essence of who God is in his love. To not love is to have not really a good or no understanding, no concept of the salvation which has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Because God is love... Because he has done this, any who do not love simply do not know God. Another point to consider is that though John says here that God is love, this does not mean that love is God. To make the proclamation that love is God would be, as one of the commentators Yarbrough says, to replace a living, personal, and active God with an intellectual, ethical, volitional, or emotional abstraction. Therefore, it is not as though when we love, we practice God. Instead, when we love, we accompany what God does, what he bestows upon us, especially through his son, Jesus Christ. Being made in God's image allows us to practice this love once we have been born of him and know him. We then come to verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now we find that this love of God has been made manifest, or it has been revealed. The revelation of the love of God is significant because without this, it is impossible for us to know love. God acting in this way then allows us to know what love is. John then answers three important questions that arise from this. The first is, where was this love revealed? The ESV does a good job of translating it as, among us. This is a reflection of the beginning of the book when John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and which we have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, We proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, the coming of love was not something hidden, but it was something revealed among individuals. This then leads to the second question, which is, how was love revealed? John informs us that it was through God sending His only Son into the world. This is how he revealed, how he made himself, how he made manifest his love. Through Christ, we see the love of God displayed for those who belong to him. This then leads to the final question, which is why? Why has God shown this love? Why has it been revealed? And the answer is that we might live through him. This is not the only reason God sent his son into the world, but it is a primary reason. That through Jesus, we are able to attain eternal life. We then come to our final verse, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
This now leads John to answer even further what love is. In the previous verse, John focused on the where, the how, and the why. Now he is going to further reflect on that how. In particular, he will answer it further in two ways. The first is in recognizing that this love, which he is discussing, is not merely the affectionate love found in humanity. The simple reality is, we cannot love in this way apart from the grace of God. We have all sinned, and being in sin cannot by our own means love God as he has called us to love according to the scriptures and according to the teaching of Jesus and his apostles. This is not to say that the affectionate love we have for each other is bad or wrong. It is merely to recognize that it can be even better. It can reach a higher ideal, which is founded on God. This is why it is significant for John to point out that this love is founded on God. Not, innate, not innately within us, and further causes us to reflect on 1 Corinthians 13, which Paul recognizes love the ultimate spiritual gift. Such love first comes from God. Even when we are unable to begin to love him, in this way, he loved us. This then leads to the second point. How are we to love one another as God calls us to love if we cannot innately attain this love for one another? Or, how can we love one another when we are dead in the world and of the world? The answer is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sent to be the propitiation of our sins. While we are deserving of death and judgment for our sins, through Christ our guilt is taken away. There are ways then that the propitiation of Christ on our behalf has instant ramifications for the command to love. And again, Yarbrough, one of the commentators, lists four. First, it is to remind us of the power of Christ in us, that through him we can overcome the evil one and the world of darkness which would keep us from loving. Second is that it allows us to love God and love others. That is, by loving God, we follow his commands, which includes to love others. Third is that by recognizing God's love through Christ, it will open us up to others. Finally, The recognition that through Christ, we learn what love is. Through his death, we can know love because of what he has done. In these ways, the propitiation of Christ has immediate ramifications um, for the command to love. Once we have understood what God has done through Jesus Christ, it should immediately cause us to love, since love is again a primary attribute seen from God through Christ. Now, the main point. The main point of this section is to provide us with the foundations of love, which is God himself. Likewise, it warns us that those who do not love must not know the love of God and therefore not know God. This leads us to a goal of God's love, which is to give us eternal life, and the means of his love, which is Jesus Christ. Now, this leads us to our applications. The first one, adding to the evidence. Throughout John's letter, we have received what some would call evidence for our salvation. By this, we understand that John gives us knowledge to ascertain whether or not we have been saved. We notice that salvation itself is not gained by doing these things. Instead, these things are the evidence that we have been saved when we live in the way John describes according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Previously, we have seen this applied in three ways. The first is doctrinally, the second is ethically, and the third is relationally. 
Doctrinally, we have seen it when John discusses the different understandings of Christ. There, there were those who were teaching false teachings about Christ at the time of John's writing. And John has warned us repeatedly that having the wrong understanding of Jesus will only lead to darkness rather than light. We have seen this throughout the letter, but especially in chapters 2 and 4 during John's discussion of the Antichrist. And we'll bring that up again later. Likewise, John has also discussed it ethically by how we are to live. This is understood when John warns us not to love the things of the world, when he reminds us in chapter 3 that Christ has come to take away our sins, and therefore anyone who keeps on willingly sinning as a lifestyle does not abide in Christ and vice versa. This represents the ethical foundation that we are called to live a way which is contrary to sin. Finally, we recognize in 1 John a relational aspect to the Christian life. In this sense... John has previously hit it on in chapter 3, but while giving us the command in chapter 3, he did not emphasize where this capacity to love comes from. Now, however, we find where it does come from. Though we were of the world and belonged to the world, we are now able to love God and one another because of the one who came among us, who was Jesus Christ. Through him, we know love. First for the Father, and second for each other. This relational aspect may seem a little simplistic. Of course we are to love one another. After all, love is a key paradigm for the Christian faith. Yet what can easily escape us is the foundation for this love. And a recognition that this love is not something we can do on our own by our own right. It is not only the ability to be friendly or even to care for one another. It is a deeper sense of the word love shown within the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and given to us by the Father through the Son as the Spirit works it within us. This love is much grander than any other love we could attain on our own. It is the purest of definitions of love. And for the Christian, it is or should be the foundation of all of our other relationships and loves. Consider our marriages or our friendships. Yes, we love our friends and our spouses, and we love them differently from one another and and these other loves. However, when we are in Christ, and our spouses are in Christ, and our friends are in Christ, then the love of Christ permeates and adds to these other loves. By building all of our other relationships upon the love of Christ given to us and the love we can then live by, then these relationships will continue to grow in holiness, righteousness, sanctity, purity, and continue toward the perfection which God is leading us toward, causing all of them to bear fruit, first and foremost, for the glory of God. Yet like was said earlier, this love is founded on God himself. Without Christ. We are unable to attain this level of love which is too high for us on our own. We are unable to grasp the love of God unless he should reach down to us and place it among us. Thankfully, this is exactly what he's done through Jesus Christ. Thus, when we love, it is further evidence of our salvation. It is not that love is a prerequisite for our salvation. Instead, it is because we love we can know we have been saved. Our salvation comes by grace through faith in Christ. It comes when we recognize our failure and our sin, and when we see our guilt before us, the dark void 
which comes from breaking the law of God and what we deserve for breaking his law, which is judgment, and turning toward Christ, who saves us from the judgment to come. In this we know love, and by this we can love, because God has loved us so deeply as to send his Son on our behalf before we could know or love him, a recognition that though we have been in death, through Christ we are raised to life. This is the foundation for our love for each other. This is how we can love one another despite our failures toward one another. Though our friends, our community, our family may fail us often, we can still love as Christ loves, knowing that we ourselves were loved while we were in our despicable state of sin, and that though we deserved immediate judgment for our first transgression, God was patient and saved us through Christ. So we find this great love through Christ, and it enables us to love one another deeply. This is the encouragement we are given through this teaching from John, that we can know our salvation by our love, for by knowing the love of God for us, it will cause us to love in return. So be encouraged to display the evidence of the greatness of God and His love. We can do this by loving one another as we have been called, even commanded, to love according to the Scriptures, according to the very love of God Himself. The call, then, the command is to love. Spouses, as you are called to love each other, let the love of God found in 1 Corinthians 13 lead you as you love your spouse. Families, as you love each other, let the love of God in 1 Corinthians 13 lead you in your love for your, for your families. And friends, as you love each other, let the love of God found in 1 Corinthians 13 lead you as you love each other. This love, which is eternal, has been displayed for us. Now let us go and spread this love of God to each other and to others. This leads us to our second point, one who does not, dot, dot, dot. In today's text, there was a warning which is that those who do not love do not know God. While many may want to make this a focus for those who are in Christ or not in Christ, we want to be careful to remember something, and that is within 1 John there have been a number of these, one who does not, dot, dot, dot statements. And each of them ends with either not knowing God or not being of God. So it is with this that we consider a few of them that we have come across within the hopes with the hopes of painting a picture of one who is not of God, with further hopes of self-examination. We all want to make sure that we are of the faith. We want to examine ourselves according to the scriptures, and it is only by looking at how we are to live not only by looking at how we are to live, but also by looking at how we are not to live, which can answer the question and give us greater assurance in the faith. Now we will consider the ones which we have come across in 1 John. The first one we came across comes in 1 John 2, 4-6, which says, Whoever loves, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment as a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Here we notice that this is ethical nature. That is, it is describing a particular lifestyle which we are to live by. Those who abide in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. Ought to live according to Jesus, his life and teachings, and the teachings of those whom he sent. Yet, 
The warning comes by not living according to him. Those who do not live according to Jesus are, as John says, a liar, and the truth is not in him. This, again, is the first case of those who do not. The second case occurs in 3.10, which says, By this it is evident those who are the children of God and those who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This one is slightly different from the first, um, as it is both ethical and relational. Those who do not practice righteousness are not of God. This means that those who live lifestyles in unrighteousness, who live in lawlessness against the word of God, are not of God. By living contrary to righteousness of Christ, they cannot have assurance before God because there is a lack of evidence of a transformed heart. Likewise, this includes the relational aspect of loving. We notice that this does not focus on loving everyone, but especially, specifically, loving his brother. Through the rest of chapter 3, as we have seen, John will focus on this love command as a way of having assurance about one's salvation. Still, the focus here is that a lack of love, especially for believers, is evidence that one is not of God. The third case occurs a few verses later when we read um, in verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Again, this is relational and continues with the previous verse we looked at. In this case, it further points to the reality that the evidence that we have passed from life to death is that we love each other. However, the warning is the same. Those who do not love abides in death. In other words, they do not abide in Christ who is life. The fourth occurs in 4.3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. As we can see, this one is different from the rest because it is doctrinal in nature. The spirits who claim something other than what Jesus was and is are of the Antichrist. Thus, those who proclaim such teachings are themselves of the Antichrist as well, not being of God, but being of the world and the Antichrist. The fifth. 4, six. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This one is also doctrinal. By having the wrong beliefs about Jesus, it is evidence that one is not of Jesus. Part of how we can know the right teaching from the wrong teaching is by what the apostles, those who were sent by Christ, taught. By going against their teachings, we recognize the evidence that one is not of God, that one is not saved. Finally, we have what we read today. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Interestingly enough, this is doctrinal, ethical, and relational by nature. It states something about God while also informing us of a way to live in relation to one another, and that is love. Those, however, who do not hold to these things do not know God, and by definition they are not of God. So what do we see in all of this? We see that the picture which is painted by John is not only of one color. It is not enough to have good doctrines while living in righteousness and love. It is not enough to live in love without doctrines and practicing righteousness. It is not enough to practice righteousness and lack love and good doctrines. In all of this, we see the necessity to keep knowing God, not in some areas of our lives, but all areas, whether it be our minds, our hearts, or among each other. 
That is the warning for us in 1 John. To not become complacent, nor to give into false doctrines, ethics, or relational teachings. Instead, we are to keep keep being transformed in all of these areas. All of these are evidences of our salvation. In this way, we can have assurance that we are of the faith by how we live in righteousness through repentance from sin, relationally with one another, and what we believe concerning Christ. Be encouraged and attest yourselves in these areas. Are you loving as God called you to love? Are you believing what God has called you to believe? Are you practicing righteousness? These are hard questions we must continue to ask ourselves. And the only way we can know is if we answer honestly. Too often, individuals look to other individuals in order to satisfy their assurance. All too often, we look at other believers and think to ourselves, well, I'm doing better than this person or that person, therefore I must be saved. But this is the wrong standard to test ourselves by. Instead, we need to test ourselves according to the scriptures to make sure we are in the faith. It is altogether sufficient for us to do so. So let's not be easily deceived by looking around us. Instead, let's first look inward and in the scriptures to test ourselves. In this way, we can have assurance. For those who are worried or wonder about your salvation, it is here we find our solution to the question. So check your beliefs, your lifestyle, against the scriptures, knowing we are saved by grace through faith, and that salvation will make itself evident within us in these ways. Likewise, let's not be those who do not. Instead, let's be people who do. People who do have faith. People who do love. People who do seek the glory of God and learning and knowing more about Him. Knowing that those who do are of God. Those who, be- who do belong to Him. Those who do are in Christ and He is in them. Nothing greater in the world could there be than being of, with, and surrounded by God. So be doers, knowing He is with those who are He is with those who follow him in all things. This leads us to our third point, community. And this is a quick point. It would be wise for us to consider community. While the relational command to love is not the only way to find our assurance, but part of the overall picture, it is still a specific part of the evidence we have concerning our salvation. Because of this, It is wise for us to remember this relational aspect of the Christian faith, practice, and lifestyle. It is here then we find the necessity for community. It is impossible for us to love our brothers and sisters of the faith while not partaking in the community of believers we are around. It is here, amongst each other, that the love of God is displayed for the world to see. Without each other, without you or I together loving one another according to Christ, then our assurance disappears because it is is through this community we find that assurance. There are many who believe that they can get by quite well, just them and God. There are too many who believe that they are all right sitting at home on Sunday rather than being involved in a local congregation. Likewise, there are those who think there is no need to be involved in any kind of church community at all. Yet such a thing is unwise, since part of the evidence of one's salvation is found within the congregation that they reject. So it is here that we want to be encouraged by the community that God has established through each of us. 
to be encouraged to actively partake of the community in love toward one another. It is not just one or two who are called to love within this community of believers, but all of us are called to love each other according to our salvation in Christ. We have all been bought with a price, and that price was Jesus Christ. To not love each other indicates we are not in life but in death. Be encouraged and to examine yourself to make sure you are loving this community and encouraging one another toward Christ, for that is the most loving thing we could do for one another. God has blessed us with each other. It is not a curse, despite what some may think, for us to be together. It is a blessing. Though it can be scary at times to be opened up, when we remember that what Christ has done, the way he opened himself up to those who come to him in faith, it should give us courage to do the same with each other who belong to that faith which was provided by Christ. So again, love one another and seek out this community. This congregation is one which is full of love. Let's not stray from that path. Instead, let's continue to grow in this love for each other, shining this great beacon across each other for all others to see. Not that we would be known or praised in and of ourselves, but that those who see us would glorify God our Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Spirit who loved us first. All right, it's hot. We're on our final point. Final point, here it is, the gospel. It is here we consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, here, it, is the only, it is only by the gospel that we are to know and to love in the truth. This gospel should always cause our hearts to be strengthened, for by it we find our greatest hope and encouragement, which is found in Jesus Christ. Though this world is dark, the gospel conquers the darkness and all that stands against us. Praise God, then, for the love found within the gospel. Now the gospel begins with our origins. All things were created by the power of God's word. Last of all, he created humanity to bear his image. Because God is a God of love, because he is a God of reason, he knows, can be known, has personhood, morality, he displays hesed, we can as well. It is because of being made in his image we find sanctity, dignity, and worth to all human life. Yet like God, we are also able to choose. We could either choose to follow God in obedience into life, or follow sin into disobedience and death. And we have chosen the latter and have continued to make that choice ever since. Because of this, our relationships with God, ourselves, each other, and the world, they're all broken. Because of our sin, we continue to accrue this greater and greater and greater moral guilt before God every day. And it's not just that feeling of guilt that a child has when they steal a cookie, but true guilt as one before a judge. At this point, Christianity seems dark, doesn't it? And yet it is in this darkness that God spoke his word and sent his light, which is his son, Jesus Christ. He who lived, died, and rose again in time, space, history, and flesh. Because of his life, his death, his resurrection, we can become children of God. Through his life, we learn how to live in righteousness and love. Through his death, we are cleansed of all of our sin and our guilt before, through his blood, because of his propitiation. And by him, we are made righteous before God. Through his resurrection, we too will be raised into glory. By him, our relationships are being restored. And his victory in life over death will become our victory in life over death, defeating all the works of the devil. 
All that is required of us is obedience in two things. The first is repentance. We are to repent of our sins. We are to turn away from our sins and turn toward God. We are to live lifestyles which glorify God according to the scriptures. We are to walk as Jesus walked and walk in step with his spirit in love for our Father in heaven and to love one another. The second is faith in Jesus Christ. We must recognize our total dependence upon the Son of God for our salvation. It is not what we do which saves us. It is what Jesus has done. We recognize that He is the Lord of all. And we are to follow Him with all of our lives, not just portions. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the Scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. For those who remain disobedient, there is only condemnation. It's a sad truth, but none can stand before God our judge with only their deeds in hand. For even our best deeds are, according to the prophets, filthy rags before a holy and righteous God. Therefore, any standing apart from Christ before God will find only condemnation for their sins. They will find only judgment for their disobedience. Yet those who are obedient, there is no longer condemnation. Though they were once in darkness and death, those who are in Christ find light, life, and love. They are given the Spirit of God which helps them to stand firm against the darkness of sin, the devil, and this world. They have victory in life. They become children of God and co-heirs of an eternal kingdom. Well, they will know the peace of God forevermore. My encouragement to you is that you would be transformed by this gospel and its power. That you would stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing the love given to us by God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. This love is great. It is magnificent. It changes everything. Be changed for the glory of God, and begin knowing the life which we have been given, and know the salvation which comes through the redemption found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this gospel of love. We thank you for what you have done, for revealing to us this love, for not just hiding it away, but making it known to us, among us, with each other. So Lord, give us strength, give us courage to stand up, to love, to show grace and peace, to give and be a blessing to each other just as you give and gave yourself completely over so that we could have life. We thank you for what you have done. Again, Lord, live in us, be with us, and give us strength. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Please rise as we sing our final hymn.